Blog Talk Radio. On our, t- on our 10th episode of the Ivy, me and my partner Thomas will be here with you for the next 60 minutes to dive into everything Cubs related. If you like the Cubs, you've come to the right place, and we're extremely grateful that you took some time out of, out of your Sunday afternoon to join us. Well, today we'll be talking about some Cub- Cubs updates and also dive into the Cubs last week of spring training games, and then we'll be discussing Tyler Chatwood's recent success in spring training and what the future with him may look like. We'll then wrap it up with our second edition of Cub of Yesteryear, where we'll be t- highlighting Derek Lee. Lastly, make sure you call into the show by calling the number 845-277-9345 to join us and ask a question or comment on anything Cubs-related. Also, for more of the Ivy content, make sure to head over to our website, baseballpodcastnet.com. Uh, also, make sure to follow our hosts on Instagram, Thomas at CubsNation2018 and Max at Wrigley News. And finally, make sure to use our coupon on Stubyard BPN10 for 10% off any tickets for every event. Bipolar with the check. I should put some crazy around my neck. Welcome back to the Ivy, and now we'll be getting into a little bit of spring training news and notes. This week, the Cubs are now 11-6, and six, um, and we play another game today at 4.05. Um, Benson, if you could start off with our mailbag, that'd be great. Yeah, so this week, uh, we're just taking one question, and that question is from Cubs University. He wants to know what your thoughts on Nico Horner are so far. Um, I think Nico has had a um he's got on base the past eight times that he's been up to the plate. Um, I think he definitely has a bright future. Um, and it's controversial if we'll see him in the MLB this season or not. Um, I mean, there's a possibility we see him in September and there's also a possibility um that we don't. Really I think that uh we'll see him probably after the first two weeks of twenty twenty. I see him probably most likely sticking in triple A. Um, through then. And now we're going to move into um, our first ad, and then we're going to be getting into uh, spring training news and notes from the first from the last week. In this week's episode of the Marlins Catch, we will potentially be joined by Marlins outfielder Harold Ramirez. We will also be discussing my 2022 projected lineup for the Fish. We will also be discussing potential comeback players for the Marlins, players like Lewis Brinson, and our opening day roster prediction for the Fish. You guys don't want to miss that right here on the Marlins Catch Podcast at 7.30 Eastern, right here. Welcome back to the Ivy. Now we'll be getting into a little bit of spring training news and notes from the past week. Um, the Cubs are now 11-6. and six. Uh, They play a game today at 4.05 Eastern time. And I'll I'll get into the schedule for that a little bit later. So um, last Monday, March fourth, the Cubs beat the Reds nine to one on the road at Goodyear Ballpark. Um, Alex Alec Mills got the start and threw two scoreless innings while racking up three strikeouts. Um, Brian Dunsing and Randy Rosario uh, both also recorded scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Um, I think it's really good to see um, a nice performance from from Dunsing. He's been great all spring so far. Um, I think he's only thrown in four games, but it's definitely good to see um, that he's done well. 
And also, Albert Almora hit his first homer of the spring um, to get the Cubs on the board. Um, Mark Zagunas also had an RBI double, which scored Trent Giambroni. Um, the Cubs ended up with a five-run seventh inning, um, mainly coming off a P.J. Higgins RBI single, which led into a three-run scoring play involving a fielder's choice and a few errors from the other team, um, which made it 6 nothing. Um, the Cubs then went on to the eighth inning. Um, a wild pitch by Amir Garrett scored another Cubs run, and Charcer Burke's RBI single made it 9-0. to um, The only Cubs the only Reds run came in the ninth off of a solo homer off of Oscar De La Cruz. Um, they improved to seven and four after that game. Um, I think it was overall a pretty good game. Um, obviously the offense blew it up once again. Um, and De La Cruz has really struggled as of lately and he struggled in that game too. So now moving on to um, last Tuesday, March 5th, the Angels beat the Cubs 9-2 on the road at Tempe Diablo Stadium. Uh, Hendricks gave, started off with giving up a three-run homer to Mike Trout. Um, obviously, it's just spring training, so nothing to be too worried about. Hendricks then went two and one-third innings um, with giving up only two earned runs and one walk, but his four strikeouts looked, um, looked good. Uh, that's definitely something that's good to see from him. Um, you don't, obviously Kyle isn't really more of a strikeout guy. He's more of, um, a guy that likes to go deep into games. So that's definitely something good to see from him. And then Wilson Contreras hit a two run double, which, um, led the cut, which gave the Cubs a two nothing lead. That was before Trout's homer. And then the angels had a five run fifth inning. Um, Rowan wick was blew up. He only threw two and two-thirds of an inning, allowed four hits, five runs, um, four earned. Obviously, it wasn't a good day for him, but one guy that did have a good game uh, was Wilson Contreras. He went two for three with one run and one RBI. Um, he is now, he was batting 385 after that game with an OPS of 1.390. Um, obviously, all good notes from him. We're really hoping to see um, and hope that he'll bounce back. So, um, obviously, the more we see out of him in the spring, um, we're really expecting him to to bounce back. And then Wednesday, March 6th, the Cubs beat the Royals 4-1 to at Sloan Park. Quintana looks sharp with three scoreless innings, allowing just one hit and one walk and two strikeouts. So, that was definitely good to see Quintana pitching good. Obviously, we haven't necessarily got what we've wanted out of him the past season and a half from when we had traded for him so we're really hoping to see a breakout year from him um, and really make an impact on that pitching staff and then in the bullpen Pedro Strope, Mike Zerguski, Steve Ciszek, Brad Brock and Tyler Chatwood all combined for six innings of work just allowing one earned run and four strikeouts in the process Johnny Field then cracked the scoreboard for the Cubs in the second with an RBI single Daniel Descalso was also hit, um, scoring a run, making it 2-1, to one, and the Cubs were leading. Uh, Victor Caratini then hit a solo home run in the sixth to bring the lead up to 3-1. to one. Zach Short then made it up. He then improved the score to 4-1, to one, and they ended up winning by that. Um, overall, once again, a good game. Obviously, it's just spring training, so you see a lot of 
a lot of the AAA guys. Um, so I think it's good so far. I think they've all done well, and I think they've impressed um, against really major league pitchers that we've seen been playing against them. So obviously we hope to see them keep doing well in the future. Um, and then just this past Thursday, March 7th, the Rockies beat the Cubs 7-5 to at Sloan Park. Um, John Lester started, went three and two-thirds innings, four hits, three earned runs, and one walk. Um, but just like Kyle, uh, four strikeouts. So good notes there. Um, Nico Horner, uh, I bet most of you guys have heard about him so far. Uh, he had an RBI single. Um, a, a few. The the main bad note from that game was that Lester had allowed um, two homers in the third inning to Garrett Hampson and David Dahl to tie the game at three. Um, obviously, he's had he's had home home run issues with him his whole career. Um, so really, it's not all that great. Um, and we're hoping he'll he'll do better with that this season and allow less homers. But obviously, it's just spring training. So I mean, we'll see how that transfers into the season. Um, a, a few other positive notes too. Dylan Maples pitched a scoreless inning and had two Ks. Brian Dunsing and Dakota Meeks also had two scoreless outings. Um, obviously, like I said earlier, Brian Dunsing has looked great so far. Um, and Dylan Maples too. Guess that Dylan Me- Dylan Maples and Dakota Meeks are two guys that we'll see in the majors. Um, probably before September. I guess we'll see see them a- around halfway through the season. So. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, they can always – something can always happen. I mean, obviously, we don't ha- hope for injuries, but uh, they always happen. So, we'll we'll most likely see one of them up on the roster. Um, and then the two other Cubs runs came from a Charcer Burks sacrifice fly in the seventh and a Christian, Christian Adams solo homer in the bottom of the ninth. Um, Adam then had – Adams then had a 524 batting average with an OPS of 1.427. Um, a good spring from him so far, which is uh, really good to see. I haven't really heard much about him. So, I mean, when you see these guys blow up in spring training, you get to know their name more. And, I mean, you might possibly see them in the MLB. Um, and then a big note from that game as well, Nico Horner made his first start as the DH hitting in the ninth spot. He went three for three with with an RBI single and a run scored, which is super exciting for the future. Um, I guess that, like I said earlier, we'll probably see him um, possibly at the end of this year, but most likely at the beginning of next year. I think a lot of us are really excited for him. Um, personally, when when Theo had drafted him, I was, I was questioning it a little bit. Uh, there was a few other guys on the draft board that I had liked a lot better, but I think that Theo did a great job as what Nico has showed so far. Um, I think that's super positive uh, just to show that how good of, I mean, how good of a guy, not necessarily guy, but how good of a, um, a general manager Theo is. And he really, it really shows that he knows what he's doing. Um, And it might not like us fans might think totally different about it, but, Really, I mean, looking at that, it shows what he it shows he knows what he's doing. So now we'll go get into a little bit of Friday's game, March eighth. The Cubs beat the Mariners nine to three in the Cubs' first night game. Uh, that was at Peroria Stadium. D- 
Duncan Robinson started for the Cubs. He went two innings while allowing two hits and two earned runs. Um, the the two earned runs was from a Jay Bruce first first inning homer, um, and he also struck out too. Um, I mean, not great notes there, but like I said earlier, he only allowed. Um, I mean, it was just a homer, so one bad pitch. Um, I mean. Nothing nothing to really say there. Javi Baez, uh, he had an RBI single going off of Ian Happ's double play, um, and Anthony Rizzo scored to make it 2-0. Jay, Bruce, Jay Bruce's two-run homer then tied the game. Um, Anthony Rizzo then hit his first homer of the spring in the third inning, a, two, a solo shot to reclaim the lead at 3-2. The Cubs then had a six-run fourth inning started by Trent Giambroni, RBI ground out, followed by an RBI double from Almora. Rizzo's RBI single made it 6-2, to two, and both Ian Happ and Taylor Davis recorded RBI walks to make it 8-2, to two, and a wild pitch that scored David Bodie ended the scoring at 9-2 for the Cubs. Elmore ended up finishing 2-for-4 with two runs scored and an RBI. Rizzo was 3-for-3 three three with three runs scored and two RBI. Baez was 2-for-3 with a run scored and an RBI. Bodie finished 3-for-3 three three with a walk and a run scored. Jen Hosang pitched two scoreless innings and racked up a, a strikeout. Um, we've seen him struggle so far this spring, so obviously that was good to see out of him. I know we saw him a few times. Not la- I know I think we saw him a few times last year, a few times the year before. Um, I, th- I think a lot of us are really hoping that he'll develop, and it's a big question as now if he will or not. So. Obviously, it's good to see the two scoreless innings out of him, and we're hoping and we're hoping that he can build off of that. Randy Rosario also recorded all three of his outs um, via strikeouts, and he looked he has looked great so far. Alan Webster also threw two scoreless and had three strikeouts for the Cubs. And um, a great note too: the Cubs were five for ten with runs in scoring position. Um, if you watched Cubs games last season. The Cubs struggled a lot with that, and I think that's definitely something that, I mean, obviously it's just, I mean, some some major league guys, some minor league guys, but it's still good to see that that when guys are in scoring position, we're still hitting the ball and making contact because that that's what leads to scoring. So, I mean, if, if they can transfer it, that into the season, um, I think that will be a, a huge a huge improvement from what they did last season. Um, and Marco Gonzalez for the Mariners gave up all nine runs and 12 hits in just three and two thirds innings. Um, I mean, that was, that was a little wild to me. Pretty crazy that their starter gave up all nine runs and 12 hits, which is wild. Um, and after that game, they had improved to nine and six on the spring. So just yesterday, Saturday, March 9th, um, split squad, the first game versus the Angels at Sloan Park. The Cubs won 11 to four. Um, Dwayne Underwood Jr., who we had on the podcast, um, he started versus the Angels. Alec Mills was supposed to start, but he was um, taken out. Not even taken out. He was decided not to start um, due to a back injury I had heard or back problems. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Um, but Dwayne Underwood Jr. went one inning and gave up a solo homer to Justin Bohr. Um, Cubs then scored three in the second with a Jim Aducci RBI single, followed by two RBI walks from Jason Hayward and Ben Zobrist. Cubs 
prospect Nico Horner then hit his first homer of the spring, which was a two-run homer in the third to make it a 5-1 game. Later in the game, Francisco Garcia hit a RBI single to pad the lead to 6-3 in the sixth inning. Taylor Davis, Davis's and Zach Borenstein's RBI singles made it 8-3, and Johnny 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 Court's RBI ground out capped the kept the three-run seventh inning. Taylor Davis then kept going with a with an RBI double in the eighth, and Connor Myers' RBI double made it an 11-3 game. Schwarber went two for three at the plate with two runs scored, and is now at four, a 4.38 batting average this spring. Nico once again had another good day. He went two for two with three runs scored, a walk, a hit by pitch, and two RBIs, both from his two-run homer. Taylor Davis also went two for two with two runs scored and two bar, two RBIs of his own. Pedro Sturrup and Steve Ciszek recorded scoreless innings out of the bullpen, while jo- George Canto struggled in his inning of work, giving up three hits and two earned runs. Um, not great notes from the bullpen, but it was mainly just George Cantos. So m- guys that we'd see on the major league roster pitched well. Carlos Ramirez then recorded two scoreless innings and a strikeout for the Cubs. And Oscar De La Cruz struggled in his bad spring as he gave up another run in his inning of work, and his ERA is now at 8.31. A great game for the offense, um, same same as the pitching side of it, other than George Contos and Oscar De La Cruz. Um, So overall, a pretty pretty well well pitched game on both sides for the offense and the defense. And the second game from yesterday uh, was versus the Giants at Scottsdale Stadium. The Cubs shut out the Giants there and won eight to nothing. Um, Cole Hamill started that game. He went three and one third one third innings while allowing no runs, three hits, two walks, and three Ks. As he still hasn't given up an earned run in five and one third innings of work this spring. He's also two and zero this spring. Now he has got both both wins that he's pitched in both game. He's won both games that he's pitched in so far. Um, good notes from him. Obviously, a lot of people were thinking that he was going to decline from last year. Um, I, I think he'll decline, but not as much as people are saying. He's looked good so far. So good notes coming there. Um, Carl Edwards Jr. also had a scoreless inning for the Cubs and recorded a strikeout. Cubs also got a three-run lead thanks to a three-run second inning via two RBI singles from Jared Young and Trent Giambroni. Witten Bernard's sack fly made it three to nothing. Then KB hit an RBI double in the sixth to make it four to nothing. And Yasiel Bolgart's RBI double in the eighth pushed the lead to five to zero. Bolgart also added a two-run single in the ninth after PJ Higgins solo homer for the final score of eight to nothing. As the Cubs are now 11 and six this spring. Um, obviously a great past week. I think there wasn't many down notes. Obviously, um, Nico Horner was really good. Um, most of the regular guys, regular starters, uh, were really good as well. And they play later today as well. They play at 4.05 Eastern time. Um, the lineup was released. Elmora's leading off. Hap is at, Hap is batting second. Bodie's batting third. Bodie's batting third. Contreras is batting fourth. Adams is fifth. Evans is sixth. Court is seventh. 
Johnny Field is eighth. Trent Giambroni is and is ninth, batting DH. And Kyle Hendricks starts today. Um, they also had put the the position players that will change with um, the other guys: Winton Bernard, Zach Short, Young, Cubs top prospect Amaya, Nico Horner, Jared Young, Yasiel Bolgar, and Borenstein will all also play. Um, so they play later, like I said, uh, so, and they're at the Brewers today and, um, obviously uh, all great notes this past week. Um, I think it was definitely good to see, uh, the few, I mean, there were struggles from Kyle Hendricks and John Lester. Uh, so that wasn't all that great, but there was also, like I had said, good notes, um, like Nico Horner. Um, and they play, they play tonight, like I said, and then they have an off day tomorrow. They then play Cincinnati on Tuesday, Oakland on, on Wednesday, the Texas Rangers on Thursday, the Chicago White Sox on Friday. Um, on Saturday, they play the Arizona Diamondbacks and then next Sunday at four or five Eastern time, they play the Colorado Rockies. Um, I think it's nice that we have an off day tomorrow. Um, I think it's not necessarily needed, but it's always nice to have one in the spring when you have a lot of different guys playing. Um, so that's good. And now we'll be moving into an ad, and then we'll get a little bit into Tyler Chatwood's success as long as, as well as Brian Dunsing's. Oh, well. This Tuesday on FanCast, our host will be doing a rundown of the Phillies' 2019 roster. We'll be taking a look at the bullpen and who who is in and who's out. How is Jake Arrieta going to come back from a tough first year in Philly, and will he take a step forward in 2019? Also take a look at the outfield situation now that Bryce Harper is a Philadelphia Philly. Tune in for all this and more this Tuesday on FanCast. Welcome back to the Ivy. We'll now be getting into a little bit of Tyler Chatwood's success so far and how he has done, as well as possible destinations and situations he could end up in. So Tyler Chatwood has pitched great so far this spring. Um, he's pitched in three games. He has won one, saved one. Um, his ERA is sitting at 2.25 in eight innings pitched, five Ks, and a 1.13 whip. Um, his two best performances was March 1st versus the Diamondbacks. He pitched three innings, allowing three hits, no walks, and three Ks. And then March 6th versus the Royals. Um, he had pitched three innings as well, allowing three hits, no walks, 1K, and he got the save in that game. Um, that was good to see. Um, obviously, he's pitched great so far. Um, and, I mean, if he can keep it up, I mean, we could possibly see him as a potential trade candidate for really both the, um, both of, I mean, there could be teams like the Giants that go after him. And, I mean, we could really see him possibly be transferred off this team if, if he keeps it up and um, has a few good starts in the regular season. But another possibility, too, that um, that I've seen, um, which is interesting, um, is a six-man rotation. Um, Joe Madden really hasn't been super high on a six-man rotation, but he's, not, he's also not very afraid to do it. Um, so Tyler Chatwood could pitch out of the sixth spot but it would also throw off the other guys because guys like John Lester and Cole Hamels have really been 
pitching in a five-man rotation their whole career, and they're usually they usually understand that they have five days of rest and then they pitch. Um, and sometimes that extra day can throw them off, um, or sometimes that can help them. So really, it will depend um, what Joe and I mean if Tyler Chatwood keeps it up, I'd guess that um, Steele will ask Joe see what he see what he wants to do. Um, and I think that really Theo, Theo might be able to find a couple offers um, for Tyler Chatwood just to get him out of Chicago and off the roster. Um, and we could possibly see him thrive somewhere else, um, like San Francisco, possibly Tampa Bay if we pay part of his contract. Um, and even if he were to be traded to one of those teams, then we could end up seeing him – we could end up seeing or taking – um, over a guy's contract like Mark Melanson um, from the Giants. Really, I think it'll be interesting um, how it all plays out if he ends up um, who if he keeps end up doing this well in the in the regular season and even throughout the rest of spring training as well. I think it'll be um, my opinion on it is I'd guess that he won't be traded. I'd guess that other teams. We'll see what he did last year, and they'll kind of walk away from that because um, spring training stats can be um, deceiving because when you're facing not necessarily major league hitters but minor league guys who um, really aren't that great, I mean, so it'll be interesting to see to see where he to where he ends up and. So as well, um, so he could end up in he could end up in either um, San Francisco, like I was saying, Tampa Bay. We could possibly see him on. Um, I mean, the Reds could take a shot at him. Um, I know they need a fifth starter. Um, really, it just depends on on who who um, who would be willing to take a risk with him. So another guy that has done really well so far this spring is Brian Dunsing. Um, I've mentioned him a few times. Um, he's pitched in four games, a one and zero record. Um, hasn't allowed, has yet to allow a run in four innings pitch, two Ks and a .5 WHIP. Um, as well as him, I mean, he could possibly be traded, but I doubt it. Um, I mean, a lefty arm. He was great in 2017 with the Cubs. I mean, if he can really, if he can repeat what he did in 2017, um, a guy that really came out of nowhere. No one, nobody really knew his name. Um, so, I mean, if he can do that next year, and even if Brandon Kinsler doesn't, doesn't really bounce back and doesn't do well, um, then you have really three reliable lefties and Randy Rosario, Brian Dunsing, and Mike Montgomery. So, in 2017, Brian Dunsing had a 2.74 ERA and 62 and a third innings pitched, as well as a 1.20 WHIP and really the only or a 1.219 WHIP. Sorry about that and a 3.41 FIP. So all good notes there. Um, I mean, if he if he can. If he can repeat what he did in 2017, I think that would be a huge add to this roster. 
Um, and really, if Tyler Chatwood does as well, I think that'd be big to this team. And really, if they don't, then I mean, I think that I think they got to stay on the roster no matter what. Um, just due to you're paying these guys. I don't even. I think you're paying um, Brian Dunsing three and a half million, and and Brian K- Brandon Kitzler is around like six or seven, some ridiculous number. So I mean, if they can bounce back, that'd be huge. But I think they're going to be on this roster no matter what, no matter what really happens. So it'll be interesting to see um, how things go and what Theo decides to do with these guys, because I don't really see a possibility of a possibility of, I mean, Tyler Chatwood, Brian Dunsing, or Brandon Kinsler being traded just due to how how much they struggled with the Cubs last season. Um, because I think as as all of us know, they were they were just straight out bad. And I mean, it it's not you don't want to keep those guys on your roster, but with how much you're paying them, you can't necessarily just cut them either. So, I mean, we'll see what way Theo go, Theo and Joe go. But, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Chatwood ends up in the rotation. Um, and he has said that he wants to be in the rotation. But another situation is um, we know that Brandon Morrow is injured. We could, we could also see um, him in the closer spot. So, I mean – it depends what Joe wants to do. I mean, I mean, if Brian Dunsing pitches well too, he could possibly be um, in the setup or closer role. So we'll see what Joe decides to do. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting going off of how bad they were last season. If they can really bounce back, then I think that'd be good. So, um, like I had said earlier, Tyler Chetwood um was really good um in his few in his few starts so far. Not necessarily starts, but pitching at all. Um, I think it's definitely something to watch out for. I mean if he if he is who he was and Darvish is healthy, I mean I think that's two huge adds to the team right there. And now uh Thomas is back in. Thomas, can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, guys? Sorry about that. Um, some of the first one come up, um, so I missed the first half of that. But um, I'm here now. So, what are we talking about, Max? Are we into Chatwood yet, or what do we? Yeah, doing? we're into we. Yeah, we've been into Chatwood for a few. So you can, uh, you can hit on. I mean, I mean, if you want to hit on the past few games, if there was something you wanted to hit on specific or Chatwood, too. Yeah, so I think a big thing is that um, on the first and the sixth, like you said, like you probably said against the Diamondbacks and the Royals, um, he had zero walks. And six innings with zero walks, you know that Chatwood last year was probably close to um, a walking inning, if not more. Uh, so for him to, you know, be able to, like, we've seen a lot more control from him. Uh, not necessarily like hits are like going down uh, because it's about a hidden inning, which is fine though. Uh, but the walks, and I, I'm sure you probably touched on that, but the walks to me is really what stands out. And 
I don't know if you talked about his future with the Cubs, but what do you think that uh, the Cubs are going to do with Chatwood? Do you think do you think he'll be a Cub uh, by opening day? Um, I believe he'll be a Cub by opening day, just because I think that if we do want to trade him somewhere, I think that he's going to have to prove himself um, against really other major major league hitters. Obviously, there's major leaguers that he's faced, but he's also facing a mix of minor league guys as well. So I think that he's going to have to prove himself um, if the Cubs have a shot at trading him in the in the regular season. Yeah, for me, I think that the I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking uh, for him to be traded before the end of spring training. I know we've seen some rumors about that. Uh, but, and I think that's because of the fact that uh, so many other teams know what Tyler Chatwood was last year in that he was one of the worst pitchers, if not the worst pitcher uh, in the MLB. So I think it's, you know, I don't think everyone's going to just fall in love with him, especially because it's just spring training. Uh, but I definitely do think that um, I don't think he'll be a Cub for the whole year. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right. Um, and then, just because I just came in, Max, how much longer are we doing on this segment with Chatwood? Uh, we still got about nine minutes left. We can also touch, I mean, I had touched on Brian Dunsing a little bit um, and his possible future with the Cubs as well. Um, he's been pretty good this spring. He had pitched four innings and hasn't allowed a run yet. I mean, I've I've always never really minded Dunsing, I guess. And the fact that he is a lefty does give him a little bit more value. And like you said, with the four scoreless innings this spring, there's not really much to complain yet. So for me, uh, the fact that we're uh, at a minimum already with lefty arms, I don't think he's really an issue. What, is, what did you say about Dunstan? Uh, yeah, pretty much what you said. I think, I mean, if he if he could pitch like he did in 2017 with us, I think that'd be – a huge add to the team um, just because you have um, then you then have another reliable lefty arm out of the bullpen. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was thinking about since we have like eight, seven, eight minutes, uh, do you want to touch on some of the MLB predictions? Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. So uh, earlier this week, about five days ago, uh, on Instagram, the MLB released uh, their projected AL and NL standings for the whole league um, via baseball prospectus, I believe. And uh, they were definitely a little alarming, at least for Cubs fans. And that is because the Cubs right now, uh, they have as finishing fifth in the NL Central, uh, that is last, with a record of 79-83. and uh, and the first team in the Central, the Brewers, with a record of 88 and 74. So, I think that, um, in my opinion, St. Louis, Milwaukee, and the Cubs will all win over 90 games. And not one of those teams is winning 90. Yet alone, we're, uh, I think, I believe we're dropping 16 games and wins uh, without really losing anyone significant. I know we did lose Daniel Murphy, uh, but we still run Descalso. We have a healthy U Darvish who didn't pitch at all last year, basically, and a healthy Chris Bryant. 
into that lineup, and you have just progression of younger players like Bias and Schwarber and Ian Habs. So, for me, I guess I don't really understand where the prediction uh, came from or what it's backed up behind, uh, but I'll let you touch on it a little bit, Max. Um, like, I, I mean, I definitely think it was a little silly. Um, I mean, like, I'd love to see the reasoning on it, like why they think – because, like, you can't predict injuries – like you can't predict you Darvish is gonna blow out his knee, um, that Chris Bryant's gonna snap his wrist. Like I mean, you can't predict injuries. So going off of our current team, um, I think you have to say like I I mean, like off like the top of my head even and even to other baseball teams, I think you can say that like a super safe prediction is that the Cubs are gonna win over ninety games. And even if not, that the Cubs are gonna be top three in their division. I mean, if they finish third in their division, like, that surprises me. But being predicted to finish fifth is, like, what, like, blows my brain out. Um, So, I mean, it's definitely – it's weird to me how, like, a, how they can predict that. And, I mean, like, I, I see, like, that John Lester's going to regress. Um, Cole Hamels will g- regress. I, I mean, who knows how much he's going to regress, but the chances of him – having how good of how a year he had with us last year, um, that would really put him in, like, Cy Young contention, which, like, I don't even – what is he, like, 35 years old now? That just seems wild to me. So, I mean, I see, like, that guys are going to regress, but you also have guys who are going to get better um, and have just as good years as they did last year. Yeah, and, like, like I said, even – if they're going to put Milwaukee at the top, like, at least put them for, um, in my opinion, at least put them for 90 wins. Like, the winner of the Central is going to have over 90 wins. We can agree there. And even, like, the other divisions were kind of wacky uh, when I was looking at it. Um, the Indians going 96 and 66, I thought that was definitely a stretch. Um, I, I just, I think the Indians are more of, like, an 88 or 87 win team. And that, I don't know, what do you think about the Indians at 96 and 66? It seems a little high. Yeah, I think it's definitely a stretch. And then you have the Red Sox, the Indians at 90 and 72. Uh, a whole seven games back behind the Yankees. Not that that couldn't happen, but like like I said before, and like you said as well, uh, none of this is really, like, backed up, and it's really bold. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like... Yeah. It's not like uh, you're just making, like, the normal, uh, you know, like, just the normal, like, what everyone is saying, but rather it's really bold and there's nothing really to back it up. And also, the Reds at 81 and 81 in our division. I know that we touched on the Reds, um, and we said that the Reds could actually be close to that mark, if not over that mark. Uh, But the fact that they're third and central – and only seven games back behind first is just a little crazy to me. Yeah, that's. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, controversial topics in that, if you want to say. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're all pretty. I mean, I, I understand if they're like they're gonna like predict like one like like one crazy thing like a Cubs like finish fifth or whatever but like the rest of it like 
like you said, the Red Sox finishing like second, like seven games behind. It just all seems like really, really weird to me. And Oakland like under five hundred too. That's yeah. Solid. Yeah. All right, so um, Max, which one, which games did you like go over necessarily? Um, just like if you want me to go back through some. I kind of like just skimmed through all of them. It was it's it was just like kind of weird without you, so I kind of just like skimmed through them and went through like so you can go through like the best games of the week or whatever like whoever you thought pitched good or whatever. Okay, yeah. So um, I'll highlight uh, Wednesday, uh, March sixth. The Cubs beat the Royals four to one at Sloan Park. Um, like Max probably said, this one was all about the bullpen, and it was actually really impressive. Uh, Pedro Strill, Mike Zagurski. Steve Ciszek, Brad Brock, and Tyler Chatwood all combined uh, for six innings of work out of the bullpen. Uh, they didn't have the strikeout pitch rolling, uh, but still racked up four of those and allowed just one earned run in those six innings. So, um, And I know that that was the game that Chatwood, uh, I believe, earned the save. Uh, correct, Max? The three-inning save? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, the Cubs' couple runs or few runs were scored. Um, on a hit-by-pitch with the scouts, though, and then Caratini home run. I thought that was uh, an underrated game because, obviously, the 4-1 to score isn't going to make any highlights in spring training. Um, but the fact that Quintana was really sharp uh, with his three scoreless and then the bullpen was shut down, uh, minus uh, Pedro Strobe giving up one run, uh, the, the rest of the four guys were five innings of no-run no work. Um but what do you think was the Cubs' best game of this week, Matt? Um, I think it was really either of the games. Um, I think there was a lot of good games this week. I think we, uh, we really hit the ball well. And but really, I think yesterday was probably. I mean, really, either of those games, both of those games, um, they bothly they both had good notes. Um, but really, I think I think the best game for me. Was yesterday versus the Angels the the game we won eleven to four, um, I mean once again a great game from Nico Horner, um I think both of us are super high and like on and like him, so um it was it was good to see a good game from him, um, so I mean there was all, there was all really good notes from that game and even the the game against the Giants yesterday as well, uh we shut them out and the pitching did a fantastic job and we still put up eight runs. So, I mean, if that's something we can do, that's something we can, I mean, if that's something we can do in the regular season, like, like shot out teams and still score runs, like that's, that's going to be super big. Yeah, definitely. And I also wanted to touch on, um, I don't know, did you talk about uh, some of the roster cuts, Matt? No, I haven't. All right. Well, um, yesterday morning, uh, the Cubs did make, uh, I believe it was 16 roster cuts. Uh, and it's going to be a little long here, but I'm just going to name them off for, for the viewers. So, uh, Albert Algele, Daniel Sang were optioned to Iowa. Oscar De La Cruz, who uh, I know me and Max talked about it, has really struggled this year. I believe he has like an 8-3-1 ERA. Uh, Justin Steele optioned to Tennessee. And then... Uh, all of these guys were assigned to minor league camp. Uh, that includes Duncan Robinson, Ian Clarkin, Alberto Donato, Craig Brooks, Carlos Ramirez, Colin Rea, Ian Rice, Charter Burks, 
Evan Margili, and Jacob Hanneman. And then Rob Scahill was actually uh, released by the Cubs. I don't know if you knew that or not, Max. Um, but he has had seven years in the big leagues. Uh, he only appeared in two spring training games, but had an 11.57 ERA. Um, people thought he might stick around a little bit longer, but uh, the Cubs now let him go, so he might have a little bit of time to go to a different club. Uh, but yeah. That's that's a few of the roster moves. Uh, do you have anything to add there uh, before we get into the ad and then get into a couple of yesteryear? No, I mean, obviously it was just a great past week, and uh, hopefully we can build on that in this next week as well. All right, so now we're going to have an ad, and then we're going to come back to a couple of yesteryear with Derek Lee. Tune in to Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at 5. We go over everything going on in the land of the New York Yankees. We'll be discussing Masahiro Tanaka and the announcement that he is the opening day starter for the Yankees. We'll also be talking about the back end of the rotation with injuries to Sabathia and Severino. Who's going to fill into those those last two spots to start the year? And we're also going to be discussing Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Who has more power? Who's hitting more home runs? And which home run king will run New York? All this and more on this episode of Pinstripe Talk, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Do not miss it, Yankee fans. All right, welcome back into the 10th episode of the Ivy here. Um, we're really glad to have you here, and we're going to get rolling into the fourth topic today, a uh, couple of yesteryear, and today, Max, we're going to be talking about Derek Lee, and I'm going to let you just open it up, and I'll follow you. Yeah, so uh, Derek Lee, um, I guess that most of you guys have probably heard his name around. You might not necessarily know his career, um, but he was drafted by the Padres. Um, he made the majors in 1997. Um, he played. He only played one year in the majors with the Padres and then was traded to the Florida Marlins after that 1997, 1997 season. Um, he, was in, he was with the Florida Marlins for six seasons. Um, and he was eventually traded to the Cubs. Um, but with the Marlins, he won his first gold glove in 2003. Um, I think a lot of the – I mean, a lot of Cubs fans probably know what happened in 2003, all the Bartman issues. And um, so Derek Lee was part of the team that um, the Cubs had lost to in the NL in the NLCS. Um, the Marlins had went on to win um, the NL championship game. Um, and then they had went on to win um, the World Series as well. Um, Lee had finished 27th in MVP, MVP voting that same season. He had a 379 on base percentage with 31 homers, 92 RBI, and 91 runs scored, as well as an 888 OPS. Um, Derek, overall, I mean, Derek Lee was a great player. I think all of us can really see that. And, um, I mean, I think his career is probably – um, more underrated. I mean, a lot of people, if you were to say his name to, I mean, a fan of like the Astros, they most likely really wouldn't, they might not, they might not know him unless they were living back in, I mean, like, unless they were living back when that was like their time. Um, so he was then traded to the Cubs, um, after that, after the 2003 season in which they had, um, in which the Cubs had lost to the Marlins. Um, I mean, and really it was weird because the Cubs had only sent over to 
um, the Marlins, Hei Soap Choi. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name. But, I mean, it was interesting considering um, how good Derek Lee was in that 2003 season. Um, and really, he put his he put his glove on the ball every time it every time it went to him. So I mean, it, it was a little weird. And considering he was also going into his age 28 season the next season, which is usually the prime year of your career, um, that was interesting as well. So I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily know if there was something that um had really like hit the Marlins on why they wanted to trade him, but yeah, it was just weird for me. Yeah, and especially, I know you talked a lot about the 2003 season, uh, but the 2005 season was just absolutely incredible. Um, he, Derek Clay finished with 199 hits, 50 doubles in that season. Uh, he played in 158 games, had a 3.35 batting average, a slugging of 662, um, and an OPS of over 1,000 with 1.080. And he, that was the first and only time in his career that he got over that uh, one mark. And uh, then he finished in third in MVP, uh, just behind Albert Pujols, obviously who was with the Cardinals who won it, and then Andrew Jones. Uh, Derek Lee had a 7.7 win or war number, which I know we've talked about um, on the show with uh, Sabermetrics. So uh, 7.7 wins above replacement right there. And when you look at his numbers compared to uh, Pujols and Jones, uh, Pujols was pretty close. Uh, but Derek Lee actually did have, like, relatively better numbers than him. Uh, he had five more home runs. Uh, he did have 10 less RBIs, but uh, the batting average wasn't even close between Andrew Jones and Derek Lee. So I'm a little surprised uh, Derek Lee didn't win MVP that year because he definitely could have uh, put in up 46 home runs and over 100 RBIs. Um, but And he also was in the All-Star game that year. Uh, and then he had his great run as well from 07 to 09. And I'll let you touch on that more, Max. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch one more thing on 2005, too. Um, he led the National League in doubles. Uh, he had 50 doubles. He also led the National League in batting average, um, slugging, OPS, and OPS+. plus. So, I mean, it was a little surprising to see Andrew Jones over him, like you said. Um, but and I think as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was – I mean, it was – I mean, I think they focused on, like, really, like, average and homers and RBIs back then, and – I mean, yep. Derek Lee still hit 46 homers and had the batting title for the NL. So, I mean, I'm saying, like, I don't know why, um, you know, Andrew Jones, 263 average. Okay, he did have 128 RBIs and he did have 51 home runs, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, Derek Lee had a whole win above replacement. Then. Yeah. So, um, getting into the 2007 season a little bit. Um, I'll touch on, so in 2006, he actually was injured, ended up only playing 50 games. Uh, he broke his wrist. So, um, he, that's mainly, that was the main reason why he only played 50 games. Um, but back in, and then in 2007, he, um, he made the all-star game. Uh, he was an all-star. Um, and he also had won a gold glove that season. So he finished the season with 22 homers, 82 RBI. Um, a 317 batting average, a 400 on base percentage, 
a 513 slugging, a 913 OPS. Um, and he still had 43 doubles that season as well. Um, I mean, 40, I, I don't remember. I think Javi had like 42 last season, if I remember correctly, or somewhere around there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, yeah, so hitting like, like he was so good. Like he might not, he wasn't as good as 2005. And I think part of that was his wrist injury from 2006. Um, But I mean, still, I mean, just looking at how good he was for, I mean, from 2007 through 2009 and then 2002 and 2000, he was just, I mean, there was, it was, it was weird how like he was good certain, like good year, bad year, good year. Um, and then he was injured and then had three good years. And then he kind of like fell off after he let, he was, um, out of Chicago, which was interesting as well. He wasn't, he wasn't all that great after he was out of Chicago, but, um, then in 2008 and 2009 too, he finished, uh, 21st in MVP voting in 2008. And then in 2009, he finished ninth in MVP voting in which he had a not 393 on base, a 306 batting average, and 35 homers and 111 RBI. Um, so really, he had a stretch of, I mean, how many years? From 2003 to 2009, he had a stretch of, I mean, seven years where he was really good. I mean, other than the injury. Because he was still good in 2004, too. He wasn't, like, it's not saying he was bad. It's just he didn't have as good as a season as the other years. Yeah, and another thing I found interesting um, on – baseball reference is that in his seven years in Chicago, uh, can you guess how much he made? Just going to show that like like even just uh, 10, 10, 15 years ago, or 15 years on like the longer end there, uh, but like 10 years ago what the difference in salary was, how much do you think he made in those seven years total? Uh, I'll say like $25 million maybe. Well, it's a little bit bigger than that, but uh, seventy-six million. But like the fact that that's only oh that's wow. only that's only like eleven million a year, though. And if you right. think about, like, he would have gotten now is what I was trying to say. Like, yeah, Derek would be in his prime uh, with those years of uh, just excellence, just like in two thousand five and like two thousand, basically two thousand five through two thousand nine. Uh, he would have been getting close to at least twenty million, if not more, a year. So I thought that was interesting. That like I've always wondered, like what players thought about that. Um, like older players, like if they kind of feel like they like, you know, they got the short end of the stick a little bit. But in the end, um, they can't really do anything about that. Uh, right. But, yeah, and then let's talk a little bit about uh, Derek Lee after the Cubs. Uh, he did go to Atlanta, I believe. Um, he only played 30, in 39 games in 2010. Or, sorry, yeah, 39 games in 2010 with them. Uh, so that must have been a trade deadline move, I believe, uh, with the Cubs in Atlanta in 2010. Is that correct, Max? Do you know? He was, yeah, he was traded, like, it was sometime in August. It wasn't – it was after the trade deadline. It Yeah, okay. it was – some. yeah. Okay, and then uh, he did go to Baltimore – uh, where he did struggle. Uh, he had a 2.46 average, um, and he saw the home runs go way down, uh, down to 12 uh, on that year. And then his last year with Pittsburgh, which I remember, uh, him and Pittsburgh was just so weird. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I wish we could have Ben some. I mean, Ben, did you want to come on here and talk a little bit about 
uh, Pittsburgh, Derek Lee, if you want, if you're there. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Derek Lee in Pittsburgh, I believe he was a, a trade deadline acquisition. Um, and this was in the early part of the decade. Um, and, and really, like, the most defining moment I have of Derek Lee is when he hit a home run in his first game in a Pirates uniform in Wrigley Field. And it was just like, that's the Derek Lee moment that I remember uh, hitting that big home run in Wrigley in his first game in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, like it was just so weird. I remember. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember that necessarily. I actually didn't even know that. It's pretty nuts. But uh, yeah, the fact that I mean, he only played in 28 games. Uh, he did have seven, uh, seven home runs though. So I mean, a home run every four games. I think they'd take that. Uh, a 337 average. So I mean, I guess he went out on a bang in his 28 games. But um, I definitely will never forget when he went to Pittsburgh. That was so weird. Yeah. And something else to touch on too, so like I didn't I didn't even know this about like him and his daughter, but in September two thousand six his three year old daughter was diagnosed with I don't I don't know how to pronounce it, so correct me if you know Thomas. Um mm-hmm. Lever's congenital amaurisis. It was a rare genetic disease re- uh resulting in loss of vision. So he actually opened um like in a where like pretty much like a research company um, helped raise over a million dollars just in um, like research funds, just to find out like a cure or something or uh, like to be diagnosed. But then in 2009, um, Lee revealed that his daughter Jada had been misdiagnosed and does not have the disease, but Lee continues to act to be active in raising money for um, the name of it is project 3000. So that's definitely interesting to, I mean, I mean, it's interesting to see like how, I mean, how he dealt with that in 2006, um, and then he was still really good in 2007. So he had things going on in ho- at home, and he was still dealing, and he was still playing baseball. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So you said that she was diagnosed, and then they ended up misdiagnosing her. Is what you said? Yeah, yeah, that's what. I, yeah, it said she was misdiagnosed and did not have the disease. Oh, that's interesting. All right, yeah. Matt, uh, do, you have, do you have anything else to add uh, before we get out of here? No, not anything. All right. So once again, guys, I um, just want to say sorry about uh, the thing before. I had a personal thing come up, um, and that's why I missed the first half of the show. Um, but that's going to wrap up our 10th episode of the Ivy here uh, on March 10th, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week on March 17th for our 11th episode um, as spring training rolls along. The specific time will be to be determined, but uh, Max and I will let you know via our Instagrams at SubsNation2018 and at Wrigley News throughout the week uh, what time it'll be at. Lastly, as always, go Cubs go, and we hope to have a relaxing rest of your Sunday. Thanks, guys. Bipolar with the check. Bipolar. I should put some crazy around my neck. The Ivy is produced by Benson Fector. The Ivy is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Thomas, at CubsNation2018, and Max, at Wrigley News. For more of the Ivy content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter, 
at Baseball Podcast One. That's P O D C A S One. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Ivy. We'll see you next week.